Welcome to the Next Brave Thing podcast. My name is Ella Hooper, and I believe that breakthrough is on the other side of bravery. This podcast features brave stories, emotional health, and creativity to inspire you to take your next brave step. Hi, guys. Today is a solo episode coming to you from New York City. Um, In case you don't follow me on social media, you will notice that um, I am actually in Manhattan for the summer, the American summer. I know I have my fellow Aussies and Kiwis who are in winter right now, but um, yeah, I am in, in summer and I'm working remotely and I will be heading back in August. But a few weeks ago, I um, put on my Instagram story questions around anxiety, and I thought I'd do an episode just on some helpful tips and helpful insights that I've had into anxiety, because I think I've been living with at least a low-level anxiety probably most of my life, and um, part of it is kind of my in my personality a little bit to be a little bit more anxious. Um, But it's also um, something I've been in denial about because um, I've kind of always been told, and if you grew up in a religious kind of environment, um, you kind of told, do not worry, don't worry, don't worry. And it's sort of been this dismissive thing that um, I've just kind of shoved down and been in denial about. Um, Also, it's kind of like if you have the right mindset, then you won't have anxiety. That's sort of been a belief that I have had. But in the last kind of year or two or three, I've really learned so much more about how our body holds a lot of what we go through and how um, anxiety isn't just a mindset shift. It's something that is um, more physical than I think we really talk about. So just a disclaimer, I am not a therapist. I'm not a trained counselor. Like I haven't gone to school for counseling. I'm a life coach and I've done a lot of counseling and therapy, trauma therapy. And um, yeah, I've just learned a lot and I like to kind of bring a lot of the more intellectual things into more life practical takeaways. So hopefully today can be helpful. I'm going to give you some questions to think about to kind of figure out what kind of anxiety you have um, because anxiety can show up in different forms for different reasons. So um, diving in, I think that I there's there's all these different types of anxiety. There's performance anxiety, there's social anxiety, um, there's anxiety that's like your discernment, like some, like kind of warning you to something um, dangerous. Um, and so anxiety is really something that is like a messenger. It's communicating something. And I think I've only really learned in the last year or two how to really dive in and listen to anxiety and try and figure out what it's trying to tell me to do. So for me, I think... Um, growing up as a performer, an actress, I used to have so much paralyzing anxiety. I remember being in my year 12, which is senior year for Americans, high, high school senior year, and I was um, playing Helena from A Midsummer Night's Dream. And I remember feeling so 
anxious, like crazy, crazy anxious about the thought of going on stage. And I would even have nightmares and I'd have nightmares that something catastrophic would happen on stage and or my worst case scenario like for me my brain always goes to what is the worst thing that could happen and it's a very self-protective kind of thing but it can also be a wise thing that I like to kind of assess and face the scariest things so I know that I'm going to be okay but in this situation um, and especially as a risk taker Taking risks creates a lot of anxiety because it's a lot of uncertainty. You're out of control. And that feeling, I've had to learn how to build a really grounded inner world so that I know how to stabilize myself when things are out of control. So I remember being in this play, Midsummer Night's Dream, and feeling so anxious. And I remember my auntie, Helene, who is a psychologist, Uh, saying to me, just focus on your breathing. And at that time, I probably had no grid for how breathing would help me deal with my anxiety because my thoughts were just waging war. So I thought, if you can tell me something reassuring or if you can tell me something good, that will fix my anxiety. Um, But I remember like being so anxious before performing and going on that I felt very, um, yeah, like sick. But then I remembered my auntie saying to me, just focus on your breathing. So the box breathing is what I did, I think, at that time. And I remember like just focusing on the breathing helped me stabilize and I was able to go on and perform. And then I had other experiences when I was in drama school where the raging anxiety would just like overtake me. And sometimes I'd learn to breathe and sometimes I would just have to like, I would go to the bathroom a million times, even though I didn't even need to go to the bathroom or I would just pace all around, like just so anxious. And a lot of anxiety, I've heard Dr. Caroline Leaf say, it's really connected to how others perceive you. So you're anxious kind of about the future, how you're being perceived, your identity. And like there is a truth to like as you get therapy and as you work on like loving yourself and not caring so much about what other people are thinking about you, your anxiety will work. But what is challenging, I'm not sure if you guys can hear the alarms in the background, beautiful New York. Um, But what is challenging is that sometimes like we hold anxiety from our memories. So it's like a self anxiety is like this self-protection thing. That's like, you've been in that performance before you've gone through that hard thing. And now I'm making you really anxious. So you don't do that thing. And so I think that, um, Yeah, like our memories, when we have memories, like for instance, social anxiety, if you grew up and went to school and were bullied every day, of course, like you're going to feel anxious going into work when you're a grown adult, like, or you're going to have anxiety going into a cocktail party because you're thinking about, you know, lunchtime at school, like your subconscious is in that space. And so a part of what healing anxiety has looked like for me is going backwards and healing my inner child and helping them know you don't have to stay long. Like I think sometimes 
as a child, we, we can be like, had you kind of at the mercy of like what everyone else is doing, what your parents are doing. So you can't just leave if you don't want to be there. And so I think as an adult, we can actually say to ourselves, you can actually leave this party. Like p- part of like getting set free is like feeling like you're not trapped and you're not stuck and you don't have to. Um, and so that has been a big thing is like really going back and reparenting my inner child that maybe had social situations that created anxiety. I think for me in more recent years, because my job is super people focused and I'm probably um, an ambivert, um, sometimes an introvert, depends on like, I, I mean, I probably get energy from being alone. Um, and so I think because my job is very, very people focused, which I actually love that. Like I love people, but what, when you have, um, when you're a leader, you are probably exposed to, not probably, you are exposed to a lot more of the negative side of experiencing people. And so you're kind of in problem solving mode. And so for me, I definitely went through a stage where even walking into a public space um, or a coffee shop would just make me riddled with anxiety. It was almost like a a fear of like a jack in a box coming at me. Like, what am I walking into? Am I going to get triggered by something? Um, And so I think over time, like when, especially pioneering a school, like we all started a school together and so there was a lot of um yeah like a lot of new things and a lot of like jack-in-the-box kind of trigger moments where you're like oh my gosh I'm caught off guard and I feel anxious and I'm thrown off because I didn't this I didn't know this was coming at me today and and so when you have multiple experiences like that your nervous system takes a hit I remember my friend um after we finished building the first year of our school my whole hands were shaking and I was like yeah I feel fine I feel fine like emotionally like I'm not crying I'm not sad like but my whole body was shaking and I was more restless, like really, really restless. And so part of learning how to do that, like calm my nervous system has been in like doing physical things, like actually doing a yoga class, Pilates, like moving my body, stretching it. That definitely helps with anxiety. Yeah, so there's different forms of anxiety, like anxiety of doing something for the first time and it's kind of new or you feel out of your depth and um, social anxiety, people's expectations of you feeling like, oh my gosh, how do I, like that hypervigilant, like how do I read your mind so that I make sure that you're okay and you're peaceful, everything's peaceful. Um, and so, yeah, like I mentioned, anxiety can come in so many forms. Um And so what I've learned about anxiety is anxiety is a mental and physical state versus a core emotion. So I probably would have used to think it was emotion, but what I've been told is that it's a mental and physical state. Um, And it's important to differentiate between anxiety about something dangerous versus like that up-leveling anxiety of stepping into new exciting territory. 
So the bodily sensations for anxiety and ex excitement are almost identical. So we can use our conscious minds to differentiate and reassure our nervous system. Um, so this is what I've also learned, that our bodies communicate first, then our minds. I've been working with um, an OT and I am really learning how to listen to my body and listen to my internal vo voice first. Um, and what that means is really like recognizing when... I feel anxious in my body or I'm holding tension and rather than shoving it down and pushing through, I'm starting just to just gather awareness around the tightness and shallow breathing in my body. Um, and this is usually alerting me and giving me information about something. Um, and so I like to breathe through those sensations um, and do some sort of like inventory, take like have a look at what's actually happening in me. Um, yeah, and sometimes like the anxiety is actually from a lack of sleep or uh, too much caffeine. That can be my problem. Um, it can also come from hormone imbalances, low low nutrients or minerals, brain chemistry, and also brain chemi chemistries. So those can be other factors in um, in anxiety. But I want to kind of go into where, like, talking about thinking patterns and um, cog they're called cognitive distortions. So I. Um, these are the different kind of ways of thinking. Um, and I'm going to send you um, the link and the resources in the show notes so you can kind of start gathering awareness around your thoughts. Um, so these are the kind of thinking patterns. So there's overgeneralizing, there's all or nothing thinking, and then there's must and should statements. There's emotional reason reasoning, there's labeling, mental filter, personalization, jumping to conclusions. Um, so overgeneralizing is an example of this would be you struggle with one particular subject at school. So you think I'm stupid. I'm not good at anything. I always fail. So, so it's based on an isolated incident. People with this thinking pattern assume all other events will follow similar pattern in the future. Basically, one bad thing makes you believe everything is and will be bad. Um, and then all or nothing thinking. Um, so that is really seeing things as black or white. There's no in between. And if you want to have hear my thoughts on black and white thinking, go back to last week's episode with Bernie Uli on wisdom. So all of not, all or nothing thinking. Um, is like an example would be my partner broke up with me. No one will ever love me again. If I can't be perfect, there's no point in trying at all. So that's all or nothing thinking. And then must and should statements. People often live by fixed rules for themselves about what they should do and how they should feel and judge themselves harshly if they don't meet them. So some examples of this is, I should always look as perfect as possible. I must never make mistakes or be seen as weak. Um, so emotional re reasoning is you're treating your emotions as if they're facts without thinking about the possibility that the feelings might be just feelings. 
For example, I feel alone. That means nobody cares about me. I feel anxious. That means I'm in danger. And I think that's why it's so important to kind of understand what your anxiety is trying to tell you. Um, And the more you kind of slow down and listen to yourself, you will actually become way more aware of what you can do. Um, And I love this word, like how you can mobilize your anxiety, what you can actually do about it. Um, So I think a lot of the time as a risk taker, I would be like, oh my gosh, all risks are bad because I feel this anxious or something's going to go wrong. Um, But sometimes that's like an up-leveling kind of anxiety rather than a you're in danger, it's all going to fail, that all or nothing thinking. So then there's labeling. So people who are low or anxious often label themselves in negative ways. They, these labels make you feel worse about yourself, even when they may not be based on facts. For example, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm weird or crazy, I'm a failure. So th- that's labeling. Um, a mental filter is ignoring the positive aspects of life or situations and instead focusing on the negative. For example, your teacher gives you good feedback, but you're certain that they don't really mean it. You also might focus on and worry about the one thing they said you could be improved. So that's definitely seeing the glass half empty kind of mentality. Personalization. So people who think this way believe that everything is to do with them and it's usually negative. They blame themselves for no logical reason. Um, it's it's kind of like personalization. It's really interesting. Like all of this is, is connected to how secure you feel in yourself. But I feel like um, there's so much perfectionism in having to be perfect and secure in yourself that we can't really ever be vulnerable and be weak um, and actually identify with these things. So even when you're a really secure person, like you still struggle with these thought distortions. It's not like just perfect people out there, you know, that's really unrealistic. Um, So personalization is an example of that would be my friend is in a bad mood today. I must have upset them. In reality, you haven't done anything wrong. They're upset and something about something else. Um, It's my fault. My parents always argue. So those are making it all about you rather than um, actually realizing that there is more nuance and like backstory. And yeah, so And then the last one is jumping to conclusions. So jumping to a negative conclusion about something with all the facts, often the worst case scenario, when you don't actually know if it's true. For example, mind reading. Everything, everyone is thinking about how awkward and weird I look. Um, Fortune telling. Even if I try, I will just fail anyway. There's no point doing that. It won't help. So... Um, I think what I can get caught up is, um, I can get into musts and should statements. Um, I can also get into, um, personalization. Um, I think I've worked hard on that one of like not over identifying with what 
someone else's emotions like are happening inside them, um, not making it about me. So these, these can be really challenging, but I think that's why it's really important to start getting clear about like who you are and what, who your true self is. And I would encourage you to go listen to my higher self episode because I think we need an anchor when we're kind of disorientated and feeling like here, like having all these cognitive distortions about who we are. We do need a place to anchor in, but it's not just like a mental go do a journaling exercise around it. It's also really learning to bring compassion into the memories that created those pain, that pain when you were younger that's influencing and showing up in your adult life. And um, Brene Brown says like what we don't own owns us. So in a very subconscious way, our body is still holding onto it. And so here's some questions to think through about anxiety and really ask yourself, is your anxiety alerting you to something truly dangerous? Um, I have been in a situation where I had raging, raging, raging anxiety and I could not be still like my, I couldn't, I could not, yeah, sit still. Like I would try and work and I just could not because, um, my discernment knew that something was up, like something was not okay. And it ended up not being the greatest thing. Um, but Everything was actually fine in the end. I don't want to freak people out. But I think sometimes a lot of the time we can live in that kind of leveling of anxiety, but it's actually more of a thought distortion than something dangerous happening. And so if you're thinking about danger, um, you can even ask yourself, is a boundary being violated? So for me, I think... um, like in that scenario where it was really intense, that was like a unique situation, an isolated situation. And so that's really good information for me because I know what that anxiety feels like. It's different to my what has been day-to-day anxiety. So um, a question that if I'm feeling really intense in my body, it's usually because a boundary is being crossed either I've crossed my own boundary, like I've said yes to something I really don't have capacity for or um, know that I can't do that or I can't fulfill that. Um, And so that's when I have to go have a hard conversation or I have to kind of like put a boundary in place. Um, So a question to ask yourself also is, does your nervous system feel unsafe because something is new and different? Um, so I know like when you're, um, you know, even coming on the airplane to New York, it's like, oh, feeling a little bit of anxiety because you're having to like put everything together. You hope you haven't forgot something. You're out to do something new. So there's a little bit of anxiety there. Um, and then you can ask yourself, is your, your, does your nervous system feel unsafe because a situation, the situation reminds you of something happening in the past? Um, and so, yeah, it's recognizing, and this is a challenge of like really learning 
your triggers so that you're not projecting on other people um, your triggers. So really understanding like where it's coming from so you're not projecting. Um, and then this is one because I don't actually live a lot in emotions. I'm more of a head person. Um, I can be obviously emotional, but I um, struggle to kind of sit and feel an emotion. So sometimes I feel anxious because I'm avoiding feeling something. So I then ask myself, "Am I? what am I trying to avoid? And then I realize, oh, I'm just sad or I'm angry. Um, and so, yeah, I... And then I asked myself, like, am I uh, future tripping? Am I making up stories uh, about the situation? Um, because sometimes that is what's creating anxiety is I'm dress rehearsing the worst case scenario when that hasn't even happened. So I just like practice self-compassion and I recognize like, oh, I might be in a situation like if I, I might also be in a situation where I actually need more information. So it's like, oh, I can't get anxious about it. I need to go ask for more information, if that makes sense. So the what I think this has been a big one for me because if you, I'm going to have people on to talk about attachment styles. Um, but I think really understanding like, my tendency, and I'm grown so much in this, but I have a history of being avoidant and passive. And so, but I'm also like attention because I can be pretty empowered and powerful, but I also like when I'm feeling really powerless, I'll go into avoidant. Um, I know a lot of personalities that can go into anxious. So they go in to take that anxious ac action and they're constantly um, taking steps. But for me, I have to always write a list of everything that I'm avoiding and then I take action and I celebrate the crap out of myself whenever I have done anything on that list that I've been avoiding. Um, and if it's a big thing, I break it down into smaller sizes to make it happen um, because like the payoff I tell myself in my mind is I'm actually becoming more of that secure, empowered person rather than feeling anxious and powerless and like avoiding everything. So um, yeah, I like to create positive statements that and like create um, a lot of self-celebration, which is a little different to self-compassion. Self-celebration is like you're on your own team, you're your biggest cheerleader for doing that brave thing, that that thing that you were avoiding. Um, and so because I have such a payoff on tackling hard things and going like working on things that I'm avoiding, um, I actually like have extra dopamine because I'm like, great, there's a payoff for doing brave things or doing getting stuff done. Um, and then I also um, have all this history of being really capable at doing something, whereas I used to feel very like I wasn't capable, like I couldn't, I was powerless and, and passive. And so being able to actually see my wins brings in more courage to go after and like 
yeah, do the brave things. Um, so yeah, that's my episode for today. Hopefully it was helpful. Again, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I'm a life coach. So I always like to, when I meet with someone who's struggling with anxiety, I like to get in and kind of figure out what it, what's causing the anxiety, like what actually, what they, what, what can they do to mobilize it? it is it taking action or is it putting in a boundary is it actually doing something to calm your nervous system, like going for a walk in bare feet, uh, taking a stretch class? Like there's lots of different things that you can do to learn how to calm your nervous system, which will overall affect your anxiety. And then the other piece is obviously getting healing from past situations that are showing up in your present. So I've heard it said that if it's hysterical, it's historical. So if you're having an hysterical emotion or a hysterical reaction to something, it's usually historical. So it's usually probably in your childhood somewhere. So anyway, hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Feel free to write in if you have any other topics you'd like me to dive into. Um, I'll be doing more of these solo episodes and I'm excited for you to hear all the guests we have coming up next on the podcast. But feel free to write in and share uh, this episode with your friends, write a review. You can always book in coaching with me and chat to you soon. Thanks for listening today. Please download, share with your friends and write a review. If you would like to book in a life coaching session with me, go to my website at www.ella-hooper.com or follow me on Instagram at Next Brave Thing Podcast.